Amen. Hey, good evening, everybody. Nice to see you tonight. I'm Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just have to tell you before we get any further than that, I'll never get over that truth, right? That the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would send his own son into the world for us. That's amazing to me. I'll never get over that. And that's what we call Christmas, right? And so thanks for coming tonight to celebrate Christmas with us, to celebrate Christ with us. It's not just a celebration of Christmas, this thing. It's a celebration of a person named Jesus. So thank you for being here and being a part of this. You guys who are in the bistro section, thank you for being here. Yeah, you look beautiful up there. It's awesome. So glad you're here. Um, Hey, let me just ask, how's your Christmas celebration going? And you over here, I didn't even hear from you. Oh, good. Hey, so here's how it goes, kind of in the round. It's like if I'm talking to this group, I'm also talking to you, right? And we can do interactive. I know some of you are guests with us, and so you're not like really sure what the protocol is at church here, at this church, anywhere. It goes like this. We can do interactive stuff, so if I say something funny, you can laugh. And if I say something I think is funny, you can also laugh. Here, we've got to work on that. So anyway, so it sounds like you're doing okay for Christmas. Is that pretty much true? All right, how do you think the world is doing this Christmas season? (laughs) <laughs> Had to bring that up, Pastor Brad. Well, you know, what was that about? Bring us down on Christmas or something? No, isn't it weird? So, like, we seem to be doing pretty well, most of us, and, and then we look at the world, we go, oh, it's not going so well. Why not? And I'm, it's kind of weird for me because I've got, you do the same thing as, as this in different ways, but I've got ways to evaluate how's the Christmas season going, you know? You know how economists every year, they tell us at the end of the Christmas season how the shopping was, you know, and so they start at, at Black Friday, and then they go on to Cyber Monday, and then Buy Everything Tuesday, or I don't know what the whole deal is with that, but they're always telling us, they're like, oh, wow, this year was worse than last year, it's going to be a bad year, you know, all this kind of stuff. This year's going to be better than ever. You know how I know? Traffic on East Bidwell. <laughs> I'm telling you, I live in Old Folsom, I drive, it's about three miles from my house to this place, and it takes me 35 minutes to get here now. It's because of you guys. Because you're spending all kinds of money in the local grocery, or not, gro- well, probably grocery store, shopping, Palladio. I mean, it's like, you guys are going crazy. I know, because the streets are all backed up. One stoplight to the next to the next. It's all packed up. So thank you for that. Glad it's going well for you. Actually, I, I, actually that's a wish. I, I wish and I pray for you that it's going well. I, I, my heart for you is that you would have a beautiful, optimistic year. That you'd be able to look to the year ahead and go, Lord, this is going to be great. This, you're going to do fantastic things uh, in me, among us, through us, into the world. I hope that's what it's like for you this year. That's my honest prayer for you. But what's interesting to me when we come to Christmas is that Christmas is just a microcosm of the whole year. And in a whole year, you have sometimes in that year where you're like, this is all beautiful. It's all going up and to the right and just fantastic for you. And then there's other times in the same year. Or in the same Christmas season, we go, oh, it's not so hot. And what's going on in the world is going on in my own soul right now. And that's just how it rolls for us. And, it's, and none of us ever has a year, I don't think, where it just goes like this. And most of us don't have a year where it just goes boom, and it's just totally gone for the year. Most of us have some kind of a mixed deal in our lives, year by year, and holiday season by holiday season. Isn't that how it rolls? In my own life this year. We celebrated the birth of my first grandson. No, it's way better than that. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon for this kid. It's just amazing. So, but two, that was in March. In May, we grieved the loss of my parents' firstborn grandson. 
He was in a cycling accident and lost his life. And you're like, how do you put those things together? How do you figure out how to celebrate one and grieve the other at the same time? Because you don't get past this one and you don't get past this one. And then later on this year, both my daughters moved back to the Sacramento region. They swore they never would. I'm never moving back there. You know, they've been far away for a long time. And they moved back. to. The, they didn't move next door to me, you know, but they moved close, like pretty close. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so ecstatic about that. It's so great. But then this year, after that, cancer slammed right into my own family. And you go, how does that go? How do you go up and down and up and down? And my life's just like your life. Maybe it didn't go like that exactly for you this year. Maybe the pattern was somewhat different for you this year. But that's pretty much how it rolls for us because we're human beings. We live in a world that has stuff in it. And some of it's great stuff and some of it's not great stuff. And we have to deal with all of it. And in the midst of all those things that we celebrate, like some of you are celebrating new things, right? You're celebrating new marriages and new children and new homes and new jobs and new shiny things at Christmas. You know, all of this beautiful new stuff. You're like, this is great. And some of us are walking through broken places in our lives, broken marriages, broken homes, broken hearts, grieving the loss of someone. That all comes into our life, and we're all over those things. In the midst of the joy in life, And in the middle of the pain in life, where is God in that? Where's God in the midst of all that stuff? We ask God that when it's it's going downhill for us, we ask God that. It's like, God, where where are you in the middle of this? Sometimes we forget to ask him when it's going up and to the right because we're like, oh, this is fantastic. And we think we caused it all. But we probably ought to be asking God the same question when it's all going beautifully. We go, hey, God, where are you in the midst of this too? And then when it gets all mixed up and jumbled, we certainly will ask God, where are you in the midst of this? And what you find out is the story of Christmas was given to answer that question. The story of Christmas came. God sent his son into the world because God wanted to answer the question, where am I in the midst of this? And his answer was, I got there before you. In all the stuff you go through, and all the journeys, up or down or mixed, God says, through Jesus at Christmas, I got there before you. Do you recognize that in the story? We just read the story for you a few minutes ago. It's the classic telling of the story of Christmas. It's found in Luke chapter 2. And it's a pretty simple story. It's a story about a man and a woman, and they're engaged. They're not married yet, but she's pregnant. That's a problem. They get to Bethlehem on a donkey or not. You can put that part in because it's not in the scripture, but you can, you know, a lot of people think that. They get to Bethlehem. The baby is born. When they see the baby, they take one look at the baby, and they go, oh, God got there before us. With all the stuff they walk through in their journey, God got there before them. That's the story of Christmas. Of course, it goes on from there. It goes into uh, the, the story of the shepherds. There's these shepherds out in the field doing what shepherds do. What do they do? Guard the sheep. They're watching the flocks at night. They're guarding the sheep. That's what they do. Now, they guard them from wolves and mountain lions and things like that. They don't guard them from angels. But all of a sudden, there's an angel that showed up, and they're terrified. And the angel starts, you know, yammering on about some stuff that's going on in Bethlehem. And there's a child, a little baby born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped in a manger, the shepherd's like, I don't get all what the fuss is about because we always wrap our babies in swaddling clothes and put them in a manger. That's just shepherd life. 
They don't know what all the excitement is about with the angel. They're pretty excited to see an angel, but they're terrified. But then all of a sudden with the angel, there's an army of angels, and they're singing. That would freak me out. <laughs> there's this army of angels, and they're singing, and there's glory everywhere, and it's making a mess, and they don't know what to do, and there's like glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill, you know, world peace, all this kind of stuff. And the, and the shepherd's like, I don't really know what you guys are talking about or singing about, but I think we're going to go into Bethlehem and check it out. And when they get there, there's the mom and the dad and the baby, and they take one look at the baby, and they go, oh, God got here before us. And every time you read the Gospels, every time you read the story of Christmas, you're telling that story that God got there before you. And it's not just that story. It's found in Matthew chapter 1 also. That's a story that focuses in on the dad. Can you imagine being this dad, Joseph? Imagine, imagine that calling from God. You're engaged to this beautiful young girl. You got the wedding date set. Her parents are paying for it. It's going to be fantastic. Then you find out that she's pregnant. And you know you're not the dad. And you just don't know how you're going to talk to her parents about this one. And then she comes along. She goes, oh, but I, but I got word that it's, it's from the Holy Spirit. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. That's not, that's not going to fly. And then, and then the dad has a dream. And in the dream, there's another angel. And the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He's like, I've heard that one before. I didn't get it the first time. And then sure enough, the baby is born. He takes one look at the baby. He goes, this, this child is different. And he realizes that God got there before him. And all those stories from his fiancee, Mary, and from the angel, all those stories were told to let him know that God got there before him. Matthew 2 goes on and tells more of the story. There's, there's these wise men that come. Remember the wise men in the story? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Like, hey, have you guys read this thing? No, there's these wise men, right? Sometimes we call them kings, like we three kings of Orient, you know, that whole deal, you know. Sometimes we call them magi, which is just short for Harry Potter. Because <laughs> really, it means magician. They, it means magician. It's just that they don't do things with a magic wand. They do things with the stars. They would read the stars, and they were astronomers and astrologers, and they could read the stars and find out what was coming, which is shocking to me because I can't even find a Big Dipper. You know, like they see one star and they go, look at that one. That's unique. And hey, guess what? It's saying we should go to Beth or we should go to Israel because there's a king being born to the Jewish nation. So we should go and we should worship him. I'm like, you got all that from a star? And so they make their way from somewhere east of Israel across the desert. They get to Israel. They don't know where to go. All they know is that a king is being born. So they go to the house of the current king because kings come from kings. So they made their way to the house of the current king. His name was Herod. They said, hey, Herod. Well, they didn't say, hey. They said, your majesty. They said, where's the next king being born? We figure he's in your house. And Herod's like, my wife hasn't had a baby for a long time. What are you talking about? And they couldn't figure out what the answer was. So they pulled out the scriptures. And they looked up the scriptures. And they said, oh, the king of Israel would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. And it's only two miles or so from Jerusalem. So the Magi went over there, and they got there. It's now maybe up to two years after the baby had been born. That's what the, the markers in the story seem to suggest. So now this family's in a rented house or something. They're staying there in Bethlehem, and these magi come, and they bring gold and frankincense and myrrh, and then they bow down on the ground, and they worship this baby. Now a terrible two. But he was Jesus, so no crying he makes. It's all good. 
And they got there and they found themselves worshiping a baby and they're like, something happened. And God sent a star to guide them there to let them know that God got there before them. So whatever you're walking through this Christmas, the story of Christmas is that God got there before you. And if it's great, God got there before you in that. And if it's not great, God got there before you in that. And if it's mixed, God got there before you in that too. And it's not just those stories. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. All those Old Testament stories, they pointed up toward Jesus and toward the Messiah and toward this Christmas story so that you would know and I would know that God got there before us in these things. There's one story that comes 800 years before Jesus actually showed up. tells you how much God showed up before us. 800 years before Jesus came, there was a uh, a prophet of God, he, his name was Isaiah, and he had a message from God, and he laid it out to the people of Israel. He said, God wants to give you a sign. And he goes, here's the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. And in that story, there's some weird parts. There's a virgin, and she conceives. That's weird, but that's impossible. And she gives birth to a son, and they call him Emmanuel. It means God with us. It means God got there before us, 800 years before us. You ever wonder where God is in the midst of it? God got there before you, long before you. You're like, well, I don't, I don't get it. If God got there before me, why didn't he fix it? Because that's what we want, isn't it? Man, that's what you want. If it's broken, we should fix it. God gets there first, he should fix it. God doesn't come in and fix everything. He just says, I'm with you. He sent his son to be with us, and in the process of being with us, he heals us. But it doesn't fix everything, but it heals us. And Isaiah knew they wouldn't all get it. You know how it is when you go to church and there's someone standing up there preaching a sermon to you? So, you know, like, sort of like this? You know how that goes? And sometimes some of you, like, you get it, and the, and the person standing up front, they're like, wow, they look at you, they go, that person gets it. And then you know how some of you are, you don't get it? I'm not, not you particularly, but, you know, others. They don't get it. And so sometimes we add music to it because music sort of helps us get it sometimes. So if you're not getting the message and you get the music, you go, okay, that's good. Isaiah goes, they're not going to get it just if I preach a sermon to them. So he goes, let me add music to it. And so he writes a song, and here's the lyrics to the song that he writes. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When he wrote this song, his nation was a mess. They'd just gone through a long election cycle, and they're going to have four years of a guy they didn't really know how this was going to work, and it was really a concern. And, oh, no, no, oh, sorry, that's, uh, oh, that's different. That's a different story, because they didn't vote. They didn't get a say in all this thing, but they had a leader, and he was a mess, and he was leading down the country, in a, the country down a bad road, and it wasn't going well. In fact, they'd been surrounded by another army, and they're going to take this country out. It was a disaster for the nation of Israel, and so Isaiah writes a song, and he writes a song to drive home a point to them. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Some of us need that, don't we? 
Some of us visit therapists. We see counselors, and they help us. They help us put things in perspective. They help hear our story and, and try and puzzle it together, and they help us. How amazing it would it be to go to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who designed the world, designed the universe, and let him be your wonderful counselor. What would it be like if you go to mighty God? Not the kind of gods they had in Isaiah's time when they would carve them out of wood or carve them out of stone, but the, like the real mighty God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's what we need. Doesn't matter which direction, which tra trajectory your life is on, what you need. What I need is a prince of peace. And they, need, they needed it 800 years before Jesus came, and we still need that peace today. And the story of Christmas, even the version that Isaiah told in his song, is about the fact that God got there before you. This God who was a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, he got there before you. And you can keep winding the clock back in the story. You can go back to this time when there was another prophet named Samuel. Samuel was listening to God, and God said to him, Hey, I want you to go anoint the next king in Israel. This is long before Jesus was born. This is a thousand years before Jesus was born. He goes, I want you to go anoint the next king. And so Samuel thinks he's going to go to King Saul's house and anoint his son to be the next king. And God said, No, no, it's not like that. It's not going to be passed down through his line. It's going to go to a new family. I want you to go to a little town called Bethlehem. And I want you to find a man named Jesse, and I want you to anoint one of his sons to be the next king. He's got eight sons, so listen, I'll tell you which one it is when you get there. So sure enough, Samuel goes up to Bethlehem and outside of Jerusalem, and he, and he uh, meets Jesse, and he meets his sons. Jesse starts bringing in his sons. He brings his first son in, and his first son is like handsome and strong and tall, which I can't really model for you, but you know, you get that picture. And he comes in, and Samuel's thinking, this must be the one. God says to him, it's not him. He says, Samuel, you're all dialed into the outward appearance. It's not about how he looks. It's about what's in his heart. It's not this one. So Samuel says to Jesse, hey, would you bring your other sons in? So they bring in sons number one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. It's none of those. God says it's none of those. They're all great-looking young men. Samuel says to Jesse, don't you have any more sons? He goes, well, there's the runt. There's the youngest one. He's not even full grown yet. He's just tending the sheep. He's not doing anything really important like my other sons are doing. He, Samuel says, go get him. Bring him in. They bring him in. And God says to Samuel, that's the one. You know, he's got acne. He's not very tall yet. He's not got it together yet that much. God goes, that's the one because his heart is for me. And that young man that was anointed that day grew up to be known as King David, a thousand years before Jesus was born. We find out that he would be the predecessor to the Messiah. And all that just says that God got there before you. And you can rewind the clock farther back in David's own story. You go back a few generations, there was this woman named Naomi. She lived in this little town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. You're in this town, it's like, you should have lots of bread. You should be overflowing with food. But in 
Naomi's lifetime, there was a famine there, and so there was no food. So Naomi and her husband and her two sons took off from Israel, and they went over to the east into another nation called Moab. And in Moab, they lived as outsiders, but the sons found wives, or the father found wives for his sons, and so they got married. Now there are six of them there, but not long after that, the dad died and the two sons died, and now it's three widows left behind. Time goes on, and Naomi hears that God has showed up among his people again back in Israel. So she tells her daughters-in-law, hey, you, 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 you girls, go back to your parents. I don't have any more sons for you. This, you know, I got nothing for you here, so I'm going back home to Israel. You guys go back to your families, and it'll all be good. And so one of her daughters-in-law says, okay, bye. And the other one said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking with you wherever you go. I'm going. Wherever you stay, that's where I'm staying. And so the two of them, Naomi and this young girl named Ruth, make their way back to Israel. They get back to this little town called Bethlehem. And now there's food there. Now there's bread there, but they don't have any of it. And so Naomi says to Ruth, she says, you're going to have to go out in the fields. And you're just going to have to pick up grain wherever you can find it. They're gathering right now. They're harvesting right now. So just go out there and just, just pick up what you can. So she goes into this field. She begins to glean behind the reapers, behind the harvesters. It turns out she, start, she starts picking up this grain in a field of a man named Boaz. And Boaz has heard about her faithfulness. And so he provides for her tells, her, tells his workers to pull some of the grain out and leave it on the ground for her so she can come by and pick it up. She goes home that night with a basket full of grain. And she suddenly realizes that God got there before her. Then Boaz and Ruth eventually got married. And Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David. So this woman who was a total outsider, whose life was a disaster, becomes an ancestor to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And all that does is tell you that God got there before you. It doesn't matter if your life's a disaster. It doesn't matter if it's beautiful. God got there before you. And you can keep winding that story back and back and back and back. You can wind your own story back and back and back and back. When you wind it back far enough, you come to this little garden. Beautiful spot, really nicely designed. Everything's laid out pretty nicely. There's a couple that lives there, a man and a wife. Everything was going really well for them. They were, they were happy and well-fed and naked. seen if you're paying attention (laughs) but that's what they were until suddenly they were naked and exposed and ashamed because they broke one of the rules of the owner of the garden and the owner of the garden was God and the man and the woman were named Adam and Eve and God came into the garden that day looking for them and he called out and said where are you guys And Adam said, well, we heard you coming, and we were afraid because we were naked, and so we hid. And God knew that they had a problem, and so God covered them. He covered their bodies with clothing made from animal skins, and then he covered their soul with forgiveness. And then he made a promise to the woman. He said, I know the serpent tripped you up. I'm not here to condemn you for that. I want you to know that out of your own body will come a descendant someday who will overcome the serpent. And it's the very first mention of the Messiah in the Bible. And that story is told to let you know 
that God got there before you. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what Christmas 2016 looks like for you. I imagine for some of you it's fantastic, and I'm excited for you about that. But I imagine for others of you it's not so fantastic, and I'm not excited about that except this. I know that whatever you're going through today, God got there before you. And Christmas is his invitation for you to walk alongside of him. Christmas is his invitation to you to trust him. Even though you don't know how it's going to end, even though you don't know where the story's heading, but to trust him because you know that he got there before you so that he could be with you. And if he's with you, that changes everything. Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for this great story that describes your life, describes who you are, and it describes all the background behind it, behind who you are. Thank you that you are our wonderful counselor. Jesus, thank you that you are mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Together we worship you as your church. We worship you. And we commit our lives again to trust you. Lord, for some, maybe today, the act of trusting you is their very first journey down this road of faith with you. Lord, bless them. And for some of us, we've been walking with you in faith for a long time, but we need to remember that you got there before us. Thank you that you did. We love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen.